0: Second Kings chapter four, verses one and two. Are you ready? Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. The creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me. What hast thou in the house? And she said, thine handmaiden hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. Amen. Father, I pray In the name of Jesus, that you would anoint the people to hear the word. Anoint me to deliver your word. Let our lives and our present and our future be guided by your hand. I prayed in Jesus' name. You are doing your work right now in this day and in this time and in this season. It all belongs to you, the times and the seasons are in your hand, Lord. Let the children of the Most High God, let them trust in the only one that matters. In Jesus' name, I pray. I pray it in Jesus' name for everybody who hears it and sees it. Let the word come alive. Let it leap forward in our lives, I pray. <laughs> yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. Amen, and I thank you. In respect to those who survive the passing of a loved one, it is enough to deal with the loss. Other pressures just compound the grief. The undone always adds to the encumbrance of the moment. From the purview of the scripture, it seems that a few thousand years have not taken away the sting of financial duress. In those days, however, the remaining debt was left to the physical labor of the family left behind. The law made provisions for the lender to at least recoup something by conscripting the children into their service. Such a compulsory act was common in those days, especially among the poor who had no way to pay. Debt, balances, and the like were paid off through physical means. It was a common practice. We know that the law will allow the creditors to come and take the sons of this widow. She has said as much to the prophet. They will work until the debt is paid in full or until the year of jubilee, whatever comes first. Bills must be paid and without money to pay, the enlisted labor of her sons will be required. But the fact did not lessen the burden, the composite of it all, death and debt, a burial and forfeiture. This was the sound of a widow and a mother with a plea for help. But reality stares blankly into the provisions of the law that offered no respect or pity. These are the stories of real people with real lives. This is our history, the teachers and leaders and guides of our lives. So consider the moment today, a widow, a mother, she knows the law. She knows that her sons will live out a significant portion of their lives working for nothing. The anguish of the moment, the tenor of her voice, points to a long wait. Perhaps by the time the debt is paid in full or jubilee, their youth or young adult years will have vanished. Both are so fleeting. Of this I know. Marriage will have to wait. A long pause and family building will have to wait. Maybe even be wiped away. Serfdom seems the status of those meager means the effort of the widow is clear keep the creditors away keep the law from seeking its justifiable teeth into the lives and years of her sons the good man that was her husband is now gone and the prophet elisha is her only appeal The widow speaks of their connection. She says, Elisha, your servant, my husband, is dead. You knew him, Elisha. You knew that he feared the Lord. He was one of yours, a good man, a righteous man, a man among those who prophesied and spoke the Lord's truth. The conflict is not just that a husband and a father has died. The conflict is that he died too soon, gone without reconciling matters at home, A man of God, yes, a righteous man, no doubt, but an issue that survives him. Maybe business was not his strong suit, or maybe he thought that he had a lot of time to make good on the loan, some credit taken in advance. But death swallowed up his plans, and the law now prepared to lay siege on those who were left behind. They survived their father, but they would not escape the debt. I won't deviate here, only to say that the expectation of the men of god has not changed his anointing offers no reprieve for living it should have been enough for the prophet to be a prophet but it just so happens that tragedy befalls even the most of faithful men even still this widow has no time to wait the man of her house is gone the creditors are knocking And the last petition has been made to the lead prophet of the land. Elisha has heard the story. He understands the intensity and the passion in this mother's fearful heart. And Elisha asked the question, what shall I do for thee? Tell me, what do you have in your house? It almost appears that he's looking for a physical solution for a moment This mighty prophet who did so many powerful miracles who saw so many things is looking for a common solution to a natural problem This prophet filled with power and anointing this prophet who once sent word that became the healing for layman's leprosy Naaman's leprosy this prophet who raised the Shunammite son back to life and there is so much more and now for a brief moment Moment, this mighty prophet looks to be pragmatic. It almost seems as if he's searching for a physical remedy for an impossible debt. Elisha hears the story. He asks the widow, What is in your house? Or in, or in other narratives, What do you have left? Do you have furniture? Or some family heirloom? Is there anything of value? Some artifact that can't be sold or offered in exchange? Elisha wants to know the condition of her means. Maybe he wanted to know how much effort she has put in to paying off the debt. Or maybe he wanted to know if she had skin in the game. Is your house full of things that can't be sold? Have you done anything? I cannot say for certain this morning, but traditional scholars purport that indeed the widow has sold off all of her possessions either by design or by depletion think of it now by design or by depletion there is nothing left biblical tradition speaks about this moment in the life of Elisha some write that the widow has sold off all that belongs to her in an effort to keep the creditors at bay she was trying to save desperately her sons those things what she sold however was not enough The debt was too high and her things too scant in value and her answer reveals as much I have nothing I have nothing it's all gone all the things that surrounded her mornings and gave comfort to her evenings all the items that filled up the house perhaps gifts Given through the years from friends and family all of it gone sold off bartered away to no avail the course of any marriage always comes with accumulation But now nothing is left and she says as much either by design or by depletion. There is nothing left I got rid of it all. I sold it all. There's nothing here We've all been home for a while now. And in these weeks, closets have been reshuffled and things have been tossed. Several people have told me their own stories about purging the house, getting rid of things that are rarely or never used, clogging up space. But in times of want, when the bottom drops out and the need seems daunting, People do more than just get rid of things they don't want. In those times, in desperate times, people sell their things. And they do so with emphasis to save a child, a son, or a daughter, a life-saving surgery, some medical procedure that they need money for. The things in the house mean nothing compared to the life of a loved one. Which one of you today wouldn't sell your things to save your son or your daughter, your grandson or your granddaughter? Many have excised their homes and lifestyles, cutting out monthly bills and conveniences in an all-out effort to save the ones they love. Many. All of us would give up our stuff if it meant the difference between life and death, freedom or prison. Read your history. You'll find families selling off their possessions to fight for the freedom of their falsely accused loved ones. An injustice was done and a remedy needed to be made. They gladly sold it off. And this widow is no different. She has lost her husband. She cannot lose her sons. Her life is upside down. The last thing she can afford is the loneliness, the endless hours of quietness the knowledge that her children are bound as bondmen of labor working for no gain so the question is what do you have in your house that seems to be the question of this miracle working prophet, Elisha, the man who held the devil portion of power from that of his predecessor, Elisha, who parted the Jordan River and caused an axe head to float like a leaf. He's asking about effort and he's asking about a value system of the widow woman. First, what have you done? What have you done? Have you done your part? And secondly, what is it that you value? What is left? I hope you're getting this this morning. She has done all that she can do. She did not wait around thinking that it was someone else's responsibility to fix her situation. This mother, this widow knows enough to give it her all. She's not looking for a handout. She's looking for a word. Not everyone's looking for a word. It might even be concluded that the modern church is looking for motivational speeches. Or some momentary inspiration to get them to the next point of depletion. I know this. I feel it. A word from God has no end or expiration. It is good for life because it is life before you accuse me of being cold hearted I'm not against raising funds for people that are in need but I'm wondering when did we stop seeking God for a word and start looking for GoFundMe I know I'm drifting far from the American mind it didn't take me long and I'm already far from the American concept and the modern Christian world we're missing something of vital of, of, of something of value and vital it has to do with our value system And the prophet asked the widow woman, what is left? What have you kept that you think is valuable? Is there anything left? Because what is left, ladies and gentlemen, is the telltale of what she thought was too important to sell off. And I'll read her reply in the NIV. She said, your servant, Elisha, your servant has nothing. There's nothing at that house except except a little oil. She replies, I have nothing except. Let's just look at the words. Nothing is a finality. Nothing is empty, gone, barren, vacant, without measure. But the next word implies what she values. It is the difference between what you can get rid of and what you must keep. The house, hear it, the house catches fire. The family's safe and you have one hand free. What do you grab on your way out? I submit. You take the thing that matters the most a picture. A family Bible, something sentimental, a family heirloom. You keep that and you keep what you can hold and you hold only what really matters. I'll say it again get rid of the thing that does not matter. Keep the thing that you value the most. Abandon what is taking up space in your life. Embrace what you cannot live without. And Elisha is asking, well, What do you have left? Nothing. That reveals my effort. Nothing reveals our effort. If we can't say nothing, then we haven't put in the time and we haven't put in the effort. Here's the next word, accept. That reveals what I value. Nothing reveals my effort and accept reveals my value. It is the pivotal preposition. I did not sell the oil. I sold everything else, but I did not sell the oil. Elisha, I made every attempt to save my sons. I got rid of things that were near and dear. To me, I sold off possessions, I got rid of keepsakes, I sold tables and chairs and all the comforts of home, but I kept the oil. One thing held back. One thing that remains. Something of the highest value. Something money cannot buy and the odor cannot sell. I'll get right to it today. Among the more than 200 biblical references for oil. The connection between the Holy Spirit and the oil is undeniable. From anointing priests and kings. To anointing prophets, altars, stones, tabernacles, temples and more. The oil is the clear and definitive metaphor for the spirit. When Samuel anointed David to be king. He poured the oil on David's head and the spirit rested on him. Here's your Bible. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The oil of anointing was the commitment, commencement of the spirit of the Lord. Oil was used for more than just food. It was the means by which the anointing was given and the spirit rested. And I preach today when you strip away all the things that can come or go there is one thing that you've got to keep it is the spirit of the lord about a value system that has been convoluted our value system has been crowded our value system has been altogether complicated it's time for the spirit to take precedence over everything in our lives nothing is our effort but except is our value I'll tell you today that the difference between a person that's bound and a person that's set free is the Holy Spirit That's right. The difference between a family with no peace and no love and no reconciliation, no forgiveness and no embracing and one that has all of them in full is the Spirit. The difference between real freedom and debilitating depression is the presence of the Spirit or it is His absence. (laughs) I'll go a step further. The difference between a healthy marriage and a pitiful marriage is the presence or the absence of the spirit the holy ghost that's the difference So if you can come to this point of transparency, I hope you can. And I mean real acknowledgement of what really matters. Then the things that you dust, those things that you wash, that you store, that you house, cannot be included in what really matters. If you peel away the layers of importance that we've all placed on life and the things of this life at the center, the essence of it all has to be the Holy Ghost. Sell your cars, sell your houses, sell your properties, sell your personal items if you must. But do not let go of the spirit because in the end here pastor now in the end you've got nothing if you don't have the holy ghost you've got nothing if you don't have the spirit what is it that we value today i thought by now surely everybody in america and the world would recognize that everything's crumbling and falling around but the one thing that will remain is the spirit of the lord and thank God we have a building, we have a place, praise God. But if we don't have the presence, then we don't have anything. I'm thankful for this dedicated house. But if the place is full of people and absent of the Lord, it will always still be empty. Uh-huh. Don't confuse a crowd with a church. It takes the Holy Spirit to make a church. <laughs> Doesn't take a building to make a church. Takes the spirit to make a church. Watch what the Bible says. The children of Israel, they had a tabernacle. Holy and dedicated articles filled that tabernacle. But if they did not move with the cloud, all they had was furniture. Gold without God is a cheap metal and they knew it. That's why they moved when he moved. That's why they camped when he camped. They shifted, gathered, stayed, ran, whatever it took to keep up with him. When he moved, they moved. If he stayed longer, they stayed longer. It was all about the crowd, the spirit, the presence. I'm working today on my value system. Here's my effort the stripping away of all the things, the stripping away, the removal of all the things. They're in the love and attention to all the things. And here's my value. Here's the accept. It's the spirit of the Lord. You can tell real quick what people value. Listen to them talk. How the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Listen to them talk. And then watch what they buy. Two things will always reveal them. What they say and where they put their money. That's right. Read your Bible; it's right there in your scripture. Watch it, and I dare say—I'm—I'm I'm sad to say—that we can have a church service without God. That's right. All we have to do is think about ourselves and consider our preferences and get comfortable with the with the. Oh, get comfortable with the representative. Oh man, I, I know I'm about to get in trouble. I knew it. I knew it when the scripture opened up to me. We get comfortable with our representative. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Exodus thirty-three makes it very clear. Moses went up to Mount Sinai. He received the tables of stone, the law. The people made a mockery of God's provisions down below. Moses spending time with God. Exodus thirty-three. Israel's fallen into debauchery. Didn't take him long. Moses comes back down, gets angry, breaks the original tablets of stone, He draws a line in the sand, it's a wreck. The whole scene is chaotic. So Moses goes back up to the mountain, and God says, "Moses, I brought these people out of Egypt because I made a covenant with Abraham." He implies it's not about them, it's about Abraham." God said, "I would give the land to his children, but these people are stiff-necked." Nothing I do for them is good enough. Watch it now. God said, Exodus 33, 2. And I will send an angel before thee. I'll drive out the Canaanite, the Amorite, the Hittite, the Parasite, the Hivite, and the Jebusite. What's wrong there? Anybody know what's wrong? Unto a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go in the midst of thee. For thou art a stiff-necked people, lest I consume thee in the way. And Moses took the news back to the people who were now suddenly distressed. I guess so. God commanded them to take off their jewelry and their ornaments and Moses said I will decide what I'm going to do with you But the words of the Lord has troubled Moses. God is not going with them God said I'm a sin and angel and it bothered Moses and Moses went back to talk to the Lord He said Lord you are the one who told me to lead these people You are the one who said you knew me by name. You said that I found favor with you You were the one Lord who told us to go and conquer the enemies but Lord oh God I have a problem with the angel Verse 15, Exodus 33. Then Moses said to him, to the Lord, If your presence does not go with us, don't send us. The angel is no replacement for the Lord. I want to tell you what the modern church has got, we like the representative. Please don't misunderstand. There's nothing like an angel. Powerful, distinguished in so many ways, supernatural, I get it, but the angels, as grand and awesome as they might be, they are no substitute for the Holy Ghost. They are only representatives of the Almighty. And I know a lot of people who are content having a representative, but they don't have the spirit. Listen, I want to be led. I love my powerful leaders in my life, but I need the Spirit. Trust and devotion, leaning, it has to come on the Spirit. Get rid of everything, but there's something that needs your utmost attention. It is your attention to the Holy Ghost. Our families might disown us, but we are not going to let loose of His presence. Our nation might oppress us. But don't let go of the Holy Ghost. While I appreciate God's powerful representatives, wherever they are, there is only one who can take us through and only one who's going to bring us out. There's only one way you're going to get through and there's only one way you're going to get out. I'm not begging you to clap. I'm not begging you to say amen. What I'm asking you to do is you look up, you find the spirit. What I'm hoping for you to do today is to get a hold of the Holy Ghost and not let it go. Yeah, and of course, there's, there's amazing things that happen if you're low, if you're in need, it's the Spirit that can bring about a multiplication. Just like the oil multiplied for that woman, that widow woman, the Holy Ghost has the power to add to our lives all of the necessary things. In fact, the only thing that can multiply without losing any of its quality or substance or rich virtue is the Holy Ghost. The only thing that is the same from vessel to vessel is the Spirit. And I'm sending out a call to whoever has the heart to receive it and ears to hear it. If it comes down to nothing let there be one exception. Whatever you lose Whatever you give away, whatever you have to sell off or cast off, don't give up the Holy Ghost. Here's the Word of God. Paul wrote, praying when always with all prayer and supplication. How? In the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. To the Galatians, this I say then walk in the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. To the church at Rome, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ He's none of his Paul went back to the church of Galatia And he said are you so foolish Having begun In the spirit Are you now made perfect by the flesh If you have begun the Spirit, then you got to end in the Spirit. you got to walk through it in the Spirit. You didn't get God through intellectualism. That's how, that is not how this started. It did not begin with technology or talent. That'll kill you. You'll die that way. It did not begin with organization or programs or denominations. All of which are fine if they stay in their proper place. This began in the Holy Ghost. We began in the Spirit the oil is the spirit and if we so choose to downsize and give up anything purge our lives of whatever blocks us there's one thing that we cannot replenish or we cannot remove and we cannot relinquish and we cannot give up and we cannot cast off keep the Holy Spirit in your life protect the presence of God in your life keep the oil so that if you are asked what you have say it I have nothing save some oil I'm almost through Paul said I speak in tongues more than you all think of it Paul the writer of 13 New Testament books the itinerant evangelist for all of Asia Minor the Apostle of the Apostles The commissioner of pastors, leaders, and saints. The man with revelation, insight, wisdom. It's incredible. Never married, but gave God's word and order for families, husbands, wives, and children. He said, I'm speaking in tongues more than all of you. I'm walking in the Spirit. I'm living in the Spirit. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm not walking after the flesh. I get up in the spirit. I spend my day in the Holy Ghost. I spend my nights in the spirit. I'm wondering about what's happening in America today. I'm wondering what's happening in our churches today. We're conflicted. We're convoluted. We're not walking in the spirit. When you're walking in the spirit, you don't have fear. Because God did not give us a spirit of fear. If God didn't give us a spirit of fear, who gave it? (laughs) people of the name and of the Holy Spirit and of the Holy Ghost, they ought not be living in fear. We can't live in fear. We're talking about living in fear. I'm not talking about not not taking precautions. I'm talking about being panicky about things in this world. At some juncture, the economy will completely collapse. Some juncture, the government's going to come. You're living in a window in a moment. You better get a hold of the spirit. You better not occupy your life with the things that surround your home. And you better occupy your life with the Holy Ghost. And if there's one thing you can't get loose of, you can't get rid of, it's gotta be the Holy Ghost. You ought to be talking in tongues, in your bedrooms, in your hallways, in your kitchens, in your cars. Here's the problem, here's the problem. We've got so accustomed to the representatives, leaders, preachers, pastors... That we stop seeking for God and start waiting for the next thing that the representative said. And Moses knew full well, the angels are wonderful, God. I love all the angels, but I didn't begin with an angel. I began in a burning bush, and you were in the burning bush. When I walked up, it was not an angel. It wasn't Gabriel. It wasn't Michael. It wasn't anybody. It was you. I began in the spirit. I'm going to enter the spirit. Ah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to provoke you a little bit here now. I know you're watching me. I know this is a little unusual, but I think you ought to just talk right now in the Holy Ghost. I think you ought to pray where you're sitting or standing right now in the Spirit. I think you ought to lift up your voice and say, Lord, help me. I need the Holy Ghost. I need the Spirit. I want the Spirit. Come on, in your brain, in your mind. I'm asking you to respond, not to me, but to the Holy Spirit. stand your feet right now and lift up your voices and your hands and your hearts come on lift up your hearts and your hands lift up your voices to God above all open up your heart to God let the spirit come in right now Uh, ah ah yes yes ah Come on, I'm talking about walking in it. I'm talking about living in it. I'm talking about dwelling in it. I'm talking about being led of the Spirit, guided by the Holy Ghost. Say it, I need to be guided by you, Lord. I want to be led by you. I want to move in your presence day and night. Come on, right now, everyone, it's time to start working on your value system. you got to get your value system in play. What is the most important thing to you? I pray it's not your job. I pray it's not your car. I pray it's not your house. I pray it's not your friends. I pray the most important thing is the Lord. Uh hear me ladies and gentlemen what have our 70 plus quarantine days taught us what have they taught us they've taught us when it's all said and done thing that matters the most. Come on, when it's all said and done, what would happen if this house caught on fire and burned to the ground? What would happen to us? Surely you should not be devastated if an earthquake came or a t- tornado wiped it all out. the brick and mortar may or may not be replaced but the holy ghost is the thing that's going to keep you and help you and restore you put your priorities in line if you love your family then you ought to put the spirit of the lord in your home if you said to me well pastor my children my wife my husband my grandchildren my cousins they mean more to me than anything I'll tell you what I'm so glad that you said it so now get the Holy Ghost put him primary and that's a better way to save them if you have a life insurance policy if you have any health insurance if you have a home a home security system that's nothing compared to the Holy Ghost uh. I'm praying right now for the people, Lord. I'm praying right now for the church, for every hear, for every heart that's open, I pray. Let there be a resurrection of the Holy Ghost. Let there be a spirit, a yearning for the spirit. I pray right now that we would do our part, and I pray right now, Lord, that we would have a value that we are leaning on you, Lord, that your spirit means more than anything in our lives. Ah, uh, Come on, we're going to worship him now We're going to take time and worship him We have time to worship the Lord We have time to do this now Come on, set some things in order Let the Holy Ghost be the primary Let everything Let everything Be minimal but the Lord Let everything be be trivial but the lord come on yes right now jesus name where you are where you are in jesus name in jesus name in jesus name yes yes